Welcome to the Opportunity Zone. We call it that because there are so many investment opportunities waiting for you. Not just conventional, but also private and alternative ones. Your hosts are Chris Magda and Dan Summers. This show is going to move you to change the way you look at your investments and your future. Now, here's private lender Chris Magda and industry veteran Dan Summers. Well, happy President's Day, everybody. This is Chris Magda, private, direct private lender here with my partner, as always, Dan Summers from Evest Technology. And uh, we, we've got an exciting show today. I'm, I'm pretty pumped up about it. I know uh, before the show started, Dan, we were, we were kind of going over some of the statistics of uh, the market right now. We're going to get into that here in just a minute as far as the, uh, the housing market. And there is an explosion going on in first quarter. Uh, we're also excited to have Jeffrey Smith. Um, uh, he's a founding and managing uh, partner and attorney, SEC attorney, uh, that works directly with Evest. Um, and works with our Reg D506C and uh, also with the uh, the new CF fund that we're working on as well. So very excited about that. Uh, but Dan, I just wanted to uh, first say good morning to you and um, and also to uh, to talk a little bit about what's going on with this crazy housing market right now. Thanks, Kristen. <clears throat> good morning, all. And once again, happy President's Day. Uh, and uh, we're really excited to have Jeffrey uh, Smith. Oh, He's done some work with us in EVS and his credentials are above reproach. And he's going to break down some interesting myths and uh, uh, issues with Reg D versus CF and some of the dynamics in the marketplace. So it'll be kind of, kind of fun to have that discussion with him. But at the end of the day, as Chris suggested, I think we want to chat a little bit about this, this market and the dynamics that are going on in this marketplace. You know, it's, it's I guess the way to describe 2020 was that it was disruptive, but it really was. The crazy thing is that it's going to be the dominant theme through 2021, it appears. And one of the things that jumps out at me, as Chris suggested, was, was that the housing prices that have just gone through the ceiling, Chris. It's, it's really, I mean, no matter where you look, it's, it's seeing a rise for the most part. Um, but, but what's really incredible is when you, like we were talking before the show started, um, we were doing prep, was, was talking about how, you know, you've got uh, markets like Nashville, Phoenix, um, just absolutely exploding. And what's interesting about that is that's on top of what they were already doing, um, which is a little bit of concern, right? You've got a little bit of a bubble thought there. There's, there's obviously some dynamics playing in uh, with, uh, you know, labor and materials right now. And that's a, that's partially due to some of the storms that we had um, that were down in South Florida and, and some of the other areas, uh, you know, Louisiana, et cetera, for the year and, uh, in, in, you know, 19 heading into 20 uh, in 2020. And then, you know, Nashville had that, that tornado that ripped through down through all the from, you know, back into Gallatin all the way through um, uh, almost to cook, you know, in through Cookville area. So they, they have, they have a, they have a labor shortage and they also have, a, uh, a housing shortage, and then materials have gone through the roof, and yet it's still exploding. It's incredible. Well, you, you can look at what CNBC reported. Some of the some of the top markets. Listen to listen to this growth in the last twelve months. Tampa's increased by sixty percent. Nashville sixty seven percent, as you suggested, Chris. Phoenix sixty nine percent, and and I attribute some of this dynamic to the pandemic, of course. You know, people are, are tired of being, you know, in their house for six mm-hmm. months out of the year. It's, it's really helped fuel this, retrading, this this retail trading saga. You know, the lockdowns, I, I really believe the lockdowns created a vacuum in which to spend money. 
And this is a good thing. It's a good thing for sellers. It's a bad thing for buyers. But uh, somewhere in there, they're going to balance each other out. You know what's interesting about that too is if you look back into the you know because I know you've been around long enough to to see more trends than I I even have but just the, you you take a look back at the trends similar things happen in Florida right so in the late nineties early two thousands you saw that migration coming up from the Miami Dade you know, uh, West Palm Beach, Lauderdale area, moving up toward the St. Lucie County area, moving back, you know, that's, that's kind of when the villages started to take off and, and Ocala and those areas. What you're seeing here, though, is a, is a exodus from the larger cities into the middle, to, from, for lack of a better way to say it, blue state to red state, right? So you're seeing a massive exodus from those higher tax areas and then from those, uh, like you said, more pinned up areas where they've got to be in a, in a condo. They're, they're selling that out. And, so, and, and moving from there and coming into the more middle states and the, and the more tax advantageous areas. That's what it seems to be. Well, people are buying lifestyles, okay? They really they're are. They? Outdoor lifestyles. You know, they're, they're addressing things like, you know, the climate, of course, and the ability to be outdoors instead of pent up and below zero. You're talking to a Chicagoan, born and raised Chicagoan, built my company in Pittsburgh. And there's a reason I live in St. Augustine, Florida right now. It's right. the climate. It's the lifestyle. You know, uh, major strong school systems, major, uh, major employment, et cetera. It's driving people south away from that, that, that climate. And, and the pandemic has really fueled this dynamic. Uh, and, you know, and on top of that, some of the other interesting dynamics regarding uh, the pandemic is that it's, you know, with the multiple rounds of stimulus checks and, and excess savings, uh, low consumer debt and, and the, the home equity increasing significantly, it's, it's really amped up the retail investor participation, which is what this show is all about. Okay, looking, to, looking for other options, other alternatives, getting away from, you know, mainstream and start looking for, you know, the Robin Hoods, the other opportunities, et cetera. But behind all of this is the impetus that's driving this, this, this want to invest. And that's being able to find a little cash here, a little cash there for these smaller investors. These are not private equity funds. These are, you know, millennials, Generation Z type investors that are out there investing $1,000, $2,500. So at the end of the day, you know, the stimulus behind this, this new dynamic of 2021 and last quarter of 2020, you know, it's everything coming together and merging together as a result of the pandemic. And now there's a light at the end of the tunnel with hopefully the vaccines, the elections behind us, et cetera. People are starting to move out, outdoors now. Hopefully the trend is starting to, to die off in terms of the pandemic. I think we're going to start seeing some, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and hopefully it's not the headlamp of a locomotive this time. Well, and the only watch out there as we talk about all that forward, forward motion and inertia going that direction is going to be, you know, two, two watch outs. One, like we talked about material and labor, right? Because of the material, even though the rates are low, I mean, we're seeing historic rates still, right? The, the, the stabilization of historically low rates has been there now for, for a decent amount of time. And the question is going to be, are, are you, you mentioned the light at the end of the tunnel. Is, is that a locomotive? Are you going to watch where, where that pinned up? You know, this happened again in 08, you know, 09. Um, we saw a lot of pinned up, right? But, but what happened to the cost? The cost. So if our costs get too high, even though those rates are low, are you buying more house than you, than you should have? That's going to be the question. Um, 
that's going to be the question. So when I looked at the square footage of cost, you know, you pull up RS means data because that's what I always fall back to. You fall back to the old school stuff, right? So those who have been in the trenches, look at look back. We go back to the what the insurance companies use as their database. We start. I start looking at those statistics. And one of the things I ran into this morning after after you and I had our show prep was, I started looking at the cost per square foot. Right. I know no. Uh, that's something that we all look at. Um, it's an underlying indicator is because you can buy a lot of house, but if the square footage is lower than the amount that you're purchasing, in other words, you're going over $120, $140 a square foot, down the road, we might get ourselves in trouble. So we just have to keep a watch out on that. Sure. And you have to make sure that this is not a, a, a false market <clears throat> right. as in 2006 when I bought my house, okay, down here in Florida. <clears throat> so at the end of the day, you have to make sure the fundamentals, fundamentals are in alignment, not just because uh, you can get some extra equity out of your house today by selling it. You've got to turn around and buy the house, the next house. So and can you move that in that three to five year period should you not stay there, right? Because there's going to be gaps that are out there. This, this trend of, of, you know, everything being virtual, you know, God willing that the vaccines, you know, work out. New York's not going to stay empty forever, right? So there's going to be people that move back into the city just because of, that's the nature of the cycle. Um, and that, that, that's, that's another market that's going to be wide open or the cities where there's vacancy. That, that's going to be interesting how that plays out. Well, I think you just, you've got to be passive. You've got to be patient. Let this game play out a little bit more, okay? We're seeing the disruption in, the, in 2021 already with a lot of the larger Wall Street houses starting to back down. They lost their shorts with, with you know, Bed Bath & Beyond, and they lost their shorts with GameStop. And yep. the millennials and Generation Z jumped in there. So it's going to be an interesting 2021 in the direction we take and to see how long we can ride this wave. People's greed glands begin increasing in times like this, hence 2008. Uh, and you've just got to be cautious. Move slow. Okay? You know what's Move interesting slow. about that is that when we were talking, too, about the CF, you know, crowdfund versus, you know, Reg D 506C and, and kind of appending to having a little, you know, a diversification of both, right? Uh, we've we've talked that even with the with uh, EVS clients, which is um, with 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 crowdfunding now you can you can diver- you can send seeds over many waters, right? So that doesn't have to be married to just one um, one one diversified investment or one portfolio. You can actually take that and spread that out at the same time. Go after your accredited investors. There's never been a time like this before where you could do no. that. You know, hence the spreading of your risk. So we see that on our eVest marketplace where we have right. all different types of alternative investing from cannabis to real estate, obviously motion pictures, banking, avionics. And our average investor will come there and not put you know, $50,000 into a real estate development. They might put 10 into real estate, 10 into yeah, they, cannabis. They, so. they spread their risk, yeah. right? And the other thing I've seen is that on our platform and other platforms is the minimum investment is coming down. And that's because Generation Z and the millennials are now players. They're stepping up to the party, but they don't have, you know, that huge 401k yet to invest with, but they've got some disposable income. So I'm seeing, you know, minimum investments coming down from 25, 50,000 down to as low as $1,000, all right? And hence the proliferation of Reg CF. So as I think I mentioned last, in this last podcast, we were talking about accreditation. 
something fascinating about accreditation was that it started in 1982. And those benchmarks, that's, uh, you know, 40 years ago, basically, okay? Right. Uh, 39 years ago, those benchmarks to get accredited have never changed. They've never been addressed by inflation. But the takeaway from that is this. There were 500,000 accredited investors then. Today, there's 11 million. So the proliferation of Reg D506C for accredited in, in investors uh, is, is at an all-time high. But likewise, non-accredited investors, those that make less than $200,000, maybe they make 125, 150, and don't qualify yet. They want to get in the game, okay? But they want to get in the game in a small way. So instead of a $10,000 investment, they might get in, you know, a $500 investment. Look at Robinhood. They're taking $100. Absolutely. And, they, and they've learned, these investors have learned that they can do that. Look at GameStop, right? So they, they've learned, hey, I can, I can put in $5,000 and turn that into a significant upstart, and now I am accredited. So that that has changed. We don't even know the dynamics of what that's changed yet. And there's and when we say the 11 million, we've talked about this before too. That's just what we know of. How many times have we had accredited investors come on through Invest Ready on 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 uh, on our on the platform, and they find out, oh, I am accredited. They didn't even know. Right. They didn't even know. They just threw it out there just to just a, you know just align the water to say, hey, maybe I am accredited. You've got a lot of trade trade craft people that are out there that aren't necessarily with a four hundred one k that don't even know they're accredited. Well, your FedEx driver, your FedEx right. driver, okay, he's accredited. Okay, right. he's accredited. So, and they were never in the game before. They didn't know. Now, right. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know the the internet message boards. Okay, the this the 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 electronic stock trading apps. Okay, alternative investment opportunities. They're everywhere now. So people are starting to learn, hey, I don't have to go to my CPA. I don't have to go to my attorney to invest. I can sit down between at halftime and pull up an app like Robinhood or Evest Marketplace and I can invest a thousand bucks. I can do my due diligence while I'm sitting here watching a ball game. So things have changed. Okay, the markets change. It's an instant market. Now, on the sponsor side of things, you might say, well, how in the world is Robinhood manage, you know, 500,000 investors in a single deal. Well, it's simple. It's technology. It's mm -hmm. instantaneous. Dividend distributions are all electronic now. Reporting's all electronic now. Okay, this isn't, this isn't 2010, 2005, 1995. Okay, instantaneous information is at your fingertips. So it's, it's really changing. It's exciting times. It's exciting times. I can't wait to see what the second half of this year is going to be going to look like and, and who's going to rise to the surface? What new GameStop type of alternative investments going to, to going to surface? Who's the next Robinhood? Who's the next Evest? Okay. You know, because I was, I was, I was on with one of our clients just the other day and he, he made a comment that was absolutely to me just shocking and groundbreaking, -break, but we should recognize it. Right. He said, Google, and I, and I believe this will be accurate was the 16th, not the first, the 16th. Right. So you're correct. We don't have an idea or a clue where this is heading. But just think about that. They were the 16th, not the first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You think about Facebook. There was MySpace before that. There was there was all these ones before Facebook. So we don't know. We don't know where this is headed. No. Um, and there's going to be emerging. There's no question about it. There's going to be emerging between the wallets and between, you know, the, the fintech and between, you know, software like Evest that there's definitely emerging coming for sure. 
there's no doubt about it, okay? And the proof of the pudding is Robinhood went back, I keep picking on Robinhood, but it's a great example. They've got a $20 billion valuation. They just went back to the marketplace a couple of weeks ago and raised another $2.4 billion for marketing for 2021 and 2022. That's an amazing amount of money that's out there wanting to invest. And the fact that you're investing in Robinhood speaks volumes about you know, the smaller Generation Z and, and millennial type investors that want to get in the game and but participate. But keep in mind too, that's, that's still, that is still on publicly traded companies though, exactly. right? So we, we, we talk about Robinhood, that doesn't even address the private investment side, right? So that's just really addressing the publicly traded side. When those investors from that side, you know, because at some point those, those, those companies are going to hit market cap where there's that, that the investors that are put their, some of their seed that way are going to turn around and go, wait a second, let me not forget about my real estate. Let me not forget about my alternative investments that aren't and then aren't aren't publicly traded yet. And then will probably come the rise of the REITs, which have already started. That's already begun. Um, but we'll see where that goes because the REITs have started to really jump back in too. Well, that's where the real money is going to be made. No doubt about it. So the public companies uh, are going to have conservative yields, conservative returns. But when you go to the alternative uh, investment opportunities, you're going to see IRRs in the 20s returns on investments in the 20s. You're going to see uh, some pretty staggering returns in which there's going to be risk, but the rewards are going to be there. You're also going to see a proliferation of debt funds, which are secured with very attractive yields. So I'm already starting to see uh, investment opportunities through alternative investing that are much higher in terms of ROIs and IRRs than last year. I, you know, it's, it's, we've seen that even on the platform because there's, you know, last year you're talking 12.8, you know, in the 12 to 16 range. Now they're coming out of the gates now at 20, which, oh, yeah. is, which is mind boggling to me. 20 plus, 20 yeah. plus. And they're oh, getting it too. Like they're funding inside of in, uh, their, their fund rate. In other words, when they're actually getting capitalized and the, and the speed at which they're capitalizing is incredible, but they're doing it. Like you said, they're doing it with that micro investment, right? Not coming out of the gate at two at a quarter of a million dollars from, from, you know, five investors, they're starting off They're They're starting off with that smaller number and they're building that momentum and the, uh, and then going back to those same investors or those groups of investors and now, and then pulling them together. It's a really incredible strategy. Yeah, from the sponsor side, uh, they're able to pay off those pretty significant returns based on the markets I just told you. I, I've seen a lot of activity in the Austin, Texas, definitely the Texas mm-hmm. market. Yeah, Texas. Definitely the Texas. It's always been a hot market. But Tampa and Nashville, Nashville has been a hot market. Chattanooga is a hot market. All right, so you're going to see a lot of high, higher returns in those markets. Okay, just make sure the underwriting's very well done. Invest in the sponsor. I'll say that again, invest in the sponsor. So don't be lured just because it's got a high internal rate of return. Do your due diligence on the sponsor. Do your due diligence on the market. Okay, make sure there's a history there, et cetera. Uh, and if it's you know a value add play, then the yield should be signif- much more significant than a, a straight investment play. But at the end of the day, watch your underwriting, zero in on the sponsor, zero in on the, the industry. Uh, look at the geocentricity of the asset or the entity in which you're investing in. But this is an exciting time we're in as we speak. The market is ticking up 
like I've never seen it tick up before, frankly, even more so than six. This, this market's red hot for alternative investing. Lots well, Dan, that's, that's all we have for this second segment. Really quick, we've got to get a shameless uh, commercial timeout, a profit timeout. But when we get back, we're going to have attorney Jeff Smith with us. Thanks so much and see you around the corner. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Evest Technology is quickly becoming the number one capital syndication platform in the U.S. Used by real estate professionals, cannabis growers, movie producers, and startups, Evest solved two pain points, time and money. Its platform is 95% faster and 95% less expensive. As a Reg D506C compliant platform, Evest will rapidly design and prepare your private placement memorandum, upload no-cost operating and subscription agreements, seamlessly accredit investors, and automate funding and dividend distributions. That's why Evest is number one. Tax laws are constantly changing. How can you keep up? Tune in to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. By working together year-round, we'll help you implement proactive tax strategies to ensure you are paying the least amount of tax possible and work to increase your business cash flow. We'll help you file your business and individual tax returns accurately, safely, and properly the first time. Listen every Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Once in a while, an investment comes along that is safe, secure, with high yields. Approved project to build 61 apartments in an opportunity zone, Wood Village, the fast-growing suburb of Portland, Oregon. The developer is offering the high yield of a minimum 20% per year return on investment to partners. The commitment will be backed up with the developer's share of profits upon sale of the project. The experienced contractor will supply a completion bond to assure a timely build-out, seeking total equity of $3.5 million. Details found on website www.firstwestrealty.net. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to The Opportunity Zone. You're invited to send us your questions and comments, and we can respond on a future show. The email address is dsummers at evesttech.com. That's dsummers at e-v-e-s-t-t-e-c-h dot com. Now, back to The Opportunity Zone. Welcome back, everybody. Again, happy President's Day. This is uh, Direct Private Lender Chris Magda with my partner, as always, Dan Summers, uh, CEO and uh, Evest Technology. And we are, we are extremely excited to have uh, a, a founder and attorney, uh, Jeff Smith, with us. Um, I, I can't say enough, Dan, how excited I am to have him. And, of course, he's the, uh, the found, founding managing partner of Law Advisory. And... Uh, 
Dan, just kind of give us just a little bit of background of, of how we got together uh, with Jeff and, and what he's working on right now, because we've got some exciting things going on. Well, it's, it's interesting. First of all, welcome, Jeff. I, I appreciate your time. I know it's valuable. Uh, and we're excited about uh, getting you involved here with our, our podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks Jeff, for having me. You're welcome. Jeff actually came to us as a result of one of our clients. Hmm. And uh, Jeff had spent some time with us on one of our demonstrations, and we had some subsequent conversations. And needless to say, I was overly impressed with, first of all, Jeff's credentials are second to none. And then he just fit in that perfect slot. He was chief compliance officer, and he's been in the securities business for over 20 years. Lawvisory is based out of Washington, D.C. And he looks at our business from a prudent business process. In lieu of legalese, he brings the business side of it. What can work? It doesn't address the things that let's not let's figure out how this is not not going to work. But how can we make this work? So Jeff's been very integral with helping us set up our our CF platform. Needless to say, and uh, so with that in mind, Jeff, let me first of all thank you again. Appreciate the opportunity to have you uh, featured on our our show. Uh, and if anyone wants to have a chat with Jeff subsequent to this podcast, feel free to reach out to me and I can refer you over to Jeff and give you his email address and contact information. But uh, Jeff, as you know, we're a Reg D 506C compliant platform. We have been since day one. We feel that's probably the easiest, most popular uh, platform to use. But now all of a sudden with the proliferation of the Robin Hoods, et cetera, we're starting to see some interest in Reg CF, CF is in crowdfunding. And uh, perhaps you could spend a moment and tell us the basics of CF and how that distinguishes itself from uh, Reg, C, Reg D506C. Yeah, yeah, happy to do that. And, and thank you so much for having me on. Um, so, so the biggest difference is that Reg CF offerings, as they're called, uh, they're very different than 506C offerings in that um, the Reg CF offerings allow for unaccredited investors to participate in the investments. Uh, understand that that you know five hundred six C offerings are are terrific, but they're limited to accredited investors, people that have a certain level of income or assets, you know, um, and and so with uh, with this this movement towards increased democratization of investment opportunities to the masses. Um, you know, we've seen, as you said, you know, proliferation of, of different types of opportunities in the marketplace, you know, uh, different types of crowdfunding platforms, you know, coming into the marketplace. But now is an exciting time because Reg CF, although it's been around actually for many, many years, um, it, it, is, it is now going through a complete transformation or metamorphosis, as I would call it. Uh, previously, Reg CF offerings were limited to um, $1,070,000, um, which, which meant that because not that much money could be raised through a Reg CF offering in the past, which came about as a result of the Jobs Act in, in, 20, in 2012, as you'll remember, um, now, the, now the, the total amount that can be raised by companies from either unaccredited or accredited investors um, is 5 million. This is a total game changer because now people, yeah. And, and, and so that, that those are some of the, those are some of the, the major differences. Um, the other differences 
that have come into the, into the, um, you know, into the present, uh, with reg CF is something called, you know, the ability to test the waters, which means that, um, somebody that wants to be able to raise money from a reg CF offering or, or other offerings as well can, can create sort of general marketing materials and can share them with prospective investors to find out what their appetite is for, you know, the particular deal that's being offered um, to identify which investors, which status of investors, whether accredited or unaccredited would be interested in these, in the offerings. Which is a total uh, 180 this, this from is, where it used to be, right? <laughs> complete, complete 180, right? 180. right. So, yeah. And, or and you so, couldn't, you so couldn't so even the, talk about it unless you had, you had, you know, uh, full, fully compliant. I mean, there, there, you can, you can even bring it up. Now, now you're allowed to, to prospect openly. That's incredible. But exactly. And so, and it can be done up until the time that, that what's called the form C is mm-hmm. filed with the SEC. However, once the form C is filed with the SEC, um, then there, there are more restrictions on what can and can't be said, how it's said, things of that sort. Um, so, so yeah, it's a total game changer. And so it's taken a long time to get to the point that we're at now. And so, so now, now it's sort of like, I want to say, you know, the game is on, the race is on. And, and now this is being opened up to accredited and unaccredited investors in a way that, that we've never seen before. So Let's Jeff, stay, I have about a gazillion uh, questions. Yeah. <laughs> go I, I'm gonna, yeah. I've got a shorter memory than you, Chris. So let me jump in here. Go ahead. <laughs> so let's, let's stay with that form C uh, for right. a moment. Uh, my biggest question. So, 506C has the general solicitation exemption. So you can put it out to everyone on the globe, however, only allow accredited investors to fund. When you say test the waters, you're not pushing out a full you know, PPM type presentation. You're putting out a, what, a one or two page teaser, if you will. Uh, and if that's the case, how much of the deal can you disclose prior to filing that form C? So, so yeah, you're correct. It's, it's, it's more like a deck, right? Like it's an investment deck. Like, it's a pitch a teaser. Deck, like a, like a pitch it, deck. It, yeah. Yeah. It's really <laughs> just, just saying here, here are the general terms that we're thinking about. Here's sort of the nature of the company. Uh, this is what the, you know, what, what we're intending to use the proceeds for. Um, it's just some basic information at a high level that you want to provide to prospective investors to see, to gauge their level of interest. You're not going to put out, you know, an entire, prospectus, you know, or, or a, a right. private placement random. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't do that. I mean, clearly, you know, I think the SEC would probably like for people to do that, but mm. the, the problem with that is that those are expensive, right? I mean, to, to create those documents is very expensive. Um, and people that are going to want to gauge the level of interest with respect to investors, they're not going to want to make a massive investment just to find out that there's not enough interest. So in, in essence, you could put together, as you suggested, a pitch deck, maybe a three-page, rather comprehensive, rather than a 50,000-foot teaser, maybe a three-page comprehensive pitch deck that highlights, you know, 70% of the deal, perhaps. And if they're interested, they can register and disclose if they're accredited or not, if, if they know. And then from there, you gauge the interest in, in the general masses and, it, it, and if that's the way to process this, this endeavor, if the interest was there, then you would go through the process of filing a Form C, correct? But yeah, that, that, that's right. That's right. And, and another, another really important difference with the amendments that came through for Reg CF to really supercharge it 
um, is for accredited investors, they've actually removed the limit on the investments that can be made. Um, so previously, uh, even even accredited investors were limited in terms of what they could invest across all um, regulation crowdfunding offerings. But now for accredited investors, that's gone. So they can invest as much as they want. Straight open. Um, yeah, in, in any in any given uh, twelve months. The other the other powerful thing is they've they've eliminated the risk of what's called integration for companies. And what that means is that integration is where you have two different offerings. Let's say a reg, let's say a five hundred six B and a five hundred six C offering. These these offerings can get integrated into one, which then would would blow the the safe harbor limits right. on both of the offerings and create a massive problem for the, for the issuer. But with, with reg CF offerings, um, an issuer can actually go out to market with a, with a reg CF offering, right. That's totally separate and apart from a 506 C offering. So you, so an issuer can actually same do time. Issue, I mean, wow. same time, same time. Wow. So, so exactly. So, so you've got your credit investors taken care of and you've got your unaccredited investors taken care of through the reg CF offering. Simul, but the fact for some that don't understand what that means, because I've been doing this for 20 years and Dan's been doing it for 20 years longer than me. That is a game changer in the industry. It is. Absolutely. It is. Game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. because it's, it's, it's just, it's absolutely, and to be able to go to 5 million at the same time on your CF that you're going on your reg D, the marrying of those two together allows you for, for, an incredible amount of liquidity to be raised in a very short period of time. And then even, even introduce that offering, like you said, in a light way and a soft way um, to, to find out, to get, to gauge that interest so that you're not wasting that money, which for those who have micro in, investment opportunities, right? So widget, widget style investments that allows them because they're, 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 their IRR ROI, depending on which way they're, they're, they're setting themselves up could be very small. Right. Maybe they don't have a 20 percent profit margin. Maybe theirs is only six to eight percent. That allows them to, to take a look at it from an alternative investment um, and, and take a peek at that and see if it's going to work. And then at the same time, allow them to marry that with another stronger piece that, that maybe be an accompanying accompanying their offering. Like, let's say um, if you had real estate matched with industrial, right? Or warehousing and, and matched with real estate or, or with an energy or an alternative energy. You could put those two together and take them forward. That's incredibly powerful. It is. So I want to get back to this, this, uh, the ceiling on investing. Mm -hmm. So I know they changed that, as you've mentioned, I think before, wasn't it a percentage of your net worth or annual income? And that's now been increased to the amount of your net worth or income, whichever is higher. Is that a correct statement? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, it's a bit, it's a bit convoluted the way that the calculations are made. Um, so the, the, the way the calculations were made previously for accredited investors, that's gone. Now you can just, it's an unlimited amount, but for the unaccredited investors, um, that's where that's where there was a slight change that is very favorable to to the marketplace um, for everybody for for investors they can invest more as well as the the companies trying to raise the capital they can raise more so it's a win for everybody um, and so what they changed was very subtle but very powerful 
um, the way that the original rule was that came out in, in 2012, that now the amendments are going into effect in March, right, of 2021. It's not even hit yet. <laughs> Right and, and yeah and they're and they're but they're right around the corner and they're, right, and they're that's, coming. That's, right? that's 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 right. Yeah, here. that's right. And and so so um, the way it was calculated is it could be um, the greater of twenty two hundred dollars, and this is across all um, regulation crowdfunding um, offerings. Okay, for an unaccredited investor, it was either twenty two hundred dollars, the greater of twenty two hundred dollars, or five percent of the lesser of the investor's annual income or net worth. Okay. But what they change is very subtle, but very powerful. Now it's, um, now it's the greater of $2,200 or 5% of the greater of the investor's annual income or net worth. Oh, wow. So that amount. So, so what we're talking about is, is a massive difference in terms of the amount that an unaccredited investor can, can invest across all of these types of offerings. That's a game changer. I mean, you think about how many boats that's going to lift up. Jeff, just for a second. I mean, you you think about those that are that are take take an investor that a non-accredited investor that could have invested in GameStop, right? And do the math on them putting five thousand dollars in, and when it went to its peak, what they could have made, and now push that same same type of of uh, of pattern into private investment. What that can That's do right. in the market, it's it's going to it's going to change people's lives. Yeah, and, and, and exactly, and it's going to change people's lives at a critical time in our in our you nation's history. You bet, right? Well, because, well, it, because it would have changed. It would have changed that non-accredited investor to an accredited investor overnight. Overnight, exactly. <laughs> yep. How powerful that's that right. is. And that's right. That's right. So, question now on getting back to the basics. Okay, and I've always been a little confused about this. So, two things. Historically, it's been a million seventy thousand. Is that per offering, per sponsor, per deal? What is that per? Um, yeah, so that that's that's the the total amount that the company trying to raise the money, which is called, referred to as an issuer, okay, issuing the securities in exchange for the investment. So the issuer can raise um, up to. Previously, it was a million seventy thousand dollars. In any twelve-month period of time, um, under the regulation CF um, regulation crowdfunding um, safe harbor, so to speak, because these are exemptions from the registration requirements. That's what we're talking about here, right? Okay, for for private offerings or other offerings, um, and so it was. It was, but now it's five million dollars that can be raised in any twelve-month period of time by the company trying to raise the money. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely different. So is that per company per offering? Because as you know, every, uh, most offerings, at least from what I mm-hmm. see are all the issuers is a separate LLC, let's say. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one sponsor, one issuer might have five offerings and each one of those offerings is a separate LLC. So is that limit spread across those five offerings or is it going to be 5 million per offering? Yeah. So, so because of the, the now um, non-integration that's happening, um, you can raise, a company can raise 5 million from just the reg CF offering within any 12 month period. Mm-hmm. Right. But it can also raise, if it's going to go to market with what's called a 506 C offering, which is for, for accredited investors only, 
right? Um, and allows general advertising and solicitation to the marketplace, almost like a, you know, um, a public offering, so to speak. Um, you can raise an unlimited amount of money under a 506C offering. So let's say they want to raise 20 million from accredited investors, but they want to raise 5 million from unaccredited investors. They can do it now. Now I got a question really quick that I know a lot of our listeners out there, um, are probably asking right now that, that, that I want to try to ask for them because I'm getting a couple of responses right now while, while we're talking um, from our listeners. And, and one of them is asking, what, what is the requirements on them as the sponsor slash issuer uh, on the CF side and then on the Reg D side, if you, especially if you're going to run them either, you know, uh, together or separate? Can you just, I know we may know that, but they may not. So can you kind of highlight that for them, what they need to have as far as an issuer or a sponsor? Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, one one of the one of the only things that that's required is you know they they can't be considered what's called a bad actor, meaning that previously they've had issues with the SEC in the past where the SEC, you know, put in an order, um, but but most of the people out there, you know, they're not going to have have that situation, right? Um, and now the other the other thing is. Um, Usually, you know, most of the companies that are going to go to market with with a Reg CF offering, uh, previously they were they were looked at as, as needing to have at least two years of of financials, um, and that those financials should have a certain amount of um, legitimacy to them, either you know audited financials or certified financials, things of that. So it's sort. not necessarily for a startup for the CF. Well, correct. However, there's actually under the amended rules, there's actually an extension of relief under that. And that's something that, that you know, one can look at um, when getting more into the details, but there's actually some extended relief to allow for, for companies that, um, that don't have certified financials. Because um, a startup to, wouldn't have any, right? So they, they, have, right, a, they right. have a hope and a dream and a napkin. So what, 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 do they, what do they do when you're a startup? Do you need to start off? Reg D 506C, get two years of financials under your belt and then go after the CF, like on a series B. Is that, is that your thought? No, no, not, not right now. Not under the, the um, relief that's being provided. And extended. So what would they do if they're, if they're brand new, how would they approach that? Um, most, most companies, I think what, what makes sense is to actually go, go to market with both a 506C offering and and uh, a rush at one time. At the same time. Will that will that yep. mean that the um? So let me get let me draw this out just a little bit. I appreciate you answering these questions. I don't mean to sharpshoot you, um, but I know I'm getting these questions. So they're they're getting your time for free this morning. <laughs> um, so we really appreciate you, Jeff. But um, sure. so so let's say that you've got a new company, you're a real estate company, as an example, and you're going to go forward with this with both the CF and the Reg D at the same time. Um, is it imperative that you have the, the, the sponsors of this offering have their personal financials or their, uh, their, cause they're obviously probably going to come on as an LLC, but their personal last two years tax statements and et cetera need to be there if they're not going to have a company, if their company's new. Right. Um, is that required, really required or is that just help? Is that not no. required or is it okay? It, so they, so they can come it, on it, without it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just helpful. Um, yeah, it's just helpful. And then the other thing that, that is, is important to know is that in terms of requirements, 
you know, the, the platform that, that the, um, that the issuer wants to work through, um, has to be a platform that is, um, that is a, a funding portal that is registered with FINRA, um, and, or it has to be a broker dealer. Um, That's an so important distinction. Fu- yeah, yeah, and so so you have to you have to go with a with with either a funding portal that's that's registered with FINRA or or a broker dealer that's registered with FINRA. Um, well, and and so so yeah, so that that basically allows the the, the current market intermediaries. Um, to continue to, you know, and that's on the CF the side, right? So to speak. That's on the CF side, exactly. Not when it comes to to five hundred six C. That's not the case. But on the CF so, side, it has to be done that way. Now, okay, I'm sorry, so, Dan. Go ahead. So on that note, let's take a quick uh, a quick break. Okay, uh, Jeff, if you could stay with us a couple more minutes on the other side of this, that would be appreciated. Sure. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Evest Technology is quickly becoming the number one capital syndication platform in the U.S. Used by real estate professionals, cannabis growers, movie producers, and startups, Evest solved two pain points time and money. Its platform is 95% faster and 95% less expensive. As a Reg D506C compliant platform, Evest will rapidly design and prepare your private placement memorandum. Upload no-cost operating and subscription agreements. Seamlessly accredit investors and automate funding and dividend distributions. That's why Evest is number one. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Once in a while, an investment comes along that is safe, secure, with high yields. Approved project to build 61 apartments in an opportunity zone, Wood Village, the fast-growing suburb of Portland, Oregon. The developer is offering the high yield of a minimum 20% per year return on investment to partners. The commitment will be backed up with the developer's share of profits upon sale of the project. The experienced contractor will supply a completion bond to assure a timely build-out, seeking total equity of $3.5 million. Details found on website www.firstwestrealty.net. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
listening to the Opportunity Zone. You're invited to send us your questions and comments, and we can respond on a future show. The email address is dsummers at evesttech.com. That's dsummers at E-V-E-S-T-T-E-C-H dot com. Now, back to the Opportunity Zone. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we have special guest today, Jeffrey Smith. Uh, he's a managing attorney at the law firm of Law Advisory out of Washington, D.C. 20 years plus, plus, plus experience in the compliance and securities business. And we've been discussing a couple of the regs, Reg D, especially 506C and uh, CF. Uh, and I wanted to kind of jump in uh, this part, this last segment, Jeff and Chris, and talk a little bit from the issuer side. You know, we're using the word company, and I know a lot of our li- listeners are getting a little confused. So you can interchange the word company with sponsor, with issuer. So That's the first question right. I know our guys are going to ask is, do I have to be accredited? Okay, do I have to be accredited to be an issuer? And if so, what, what's involved in that? Perhaps you could, you could address that, Jeff. Got it. So, so, so the, the answer is, is, is no, you don't have to be accredited to be an issuer. Uh, it can be you know, anybody that needs to raise money for their, for their small business, they can do that. And, and, and before the break, you know, we talked about financial statements and, and what that means and, and audited financial statements. You know, let me clarify that, that it doesn't require audited financial statements to, to raise money under Reg CF. Um, so, so what the actual, the, the temporary amendment says that's been extended, it says, um, that financial statements of the issuer and certain information from the issuer's federal income tax returns um, have to be uh, available and both have to be certified by the principal executive officer, which means whoever is like the CEO or the founder or the president, they just have to certify those, uh, but they don't have to be audited financial statements. So I wanted to clarify that in case, you know, there was some confusion. Yeah, I, I got a question around that even Jeff. So let's say, let's say that, that, um, uh, you've got a CEO, let's say he's a contractor, right? Let's say, because CF, what that opens the door of, we kind of talked about this while we're on the break. There, there's contractors out there that, are, that have been building and developing real estate developments for, for many years. They've got the season, they've got the experience, whether it's single family residence, multifamily, multifamily, one to five, commercial, warehousing, et cetera. They've got the experience. But in the past, because they may or may not have been accredited, they've ended up having to, to give that to another group of investors that, that they're not even involved with, right? And they get the only thing they get out of it is whatever they make on the job. With CF, what mm-hmm. that potentially opens up is that contractor can now jump into the game. And he's got the relationships already built with the subcontractors and probably built with, with many of the uh, management companies that take over once he's done. That management company's on site before he, that primary contractor, even secondary contractor leaves the site. So in other words, all the pieces there for him to build a business are already there. Yep. That's super That's ready right. to be made. So the question for, I know that contractor or that other individual in that, in that whole blockchain is asking is, what do I need, really need to do that? And could I even use maybe a fund manager that has some of those pieces in, in that puzzle to make it work? How, how, how does that guy make it work? Well, there's there's actually um, some relief for somebody who is who is a very small business who's just trying to jumpstart their business. Okay. Um, and actually, you know, financial statements um, are really only required when you know the issuer is offering more than one hundred and seven thousand uh, dollars. And 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 so 
if it's if it's less than one hundred seven thousand dollars, financial statements aren't required, so it's much easier to get in the game at a lower amount that that is being that's being raised. Just to make that clarification. But what if he's trying but, to? That's for one hundred seven thousand dollars. But what if this guy's trying right. to raise, um, you know, five million? You know, because I mean, a project, yeah. a large, a large home development project is easily going to be over one hundred seven thousand. That's that's not even that's a drop in the bucket. That's one house. Yeah. So what 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 does he do then? Let's say he's trying to go for the five million, or um, mm-hmm. what what are his options? Yeah, if, he's, if if it's purely a startup, there are no financial statements to speak of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 they they want to sort of um, you know borrow from the, the the balance sheet, so to speak, and the prior financials of of another sponsor that they could you know tag team with. Yeah, they could get together. Oh. Um, yeah, so I mean, he that's, could that's so he could sh- basically do a shell, right? I'm not for I don't know that may be a dangerous word, but but he could dr- jump into. Let's say he's got a because we do this in hard money all the time. As long as they take a twenty percent position in the LLC from a hard money lending perspective. We'll let them take on another partner. They could do the same thing. Same thing if they've got a fund manager that's going to come on the LP, the LLP as a fund manager, and that fund manager may have assets or experience like Dan or somebody has. You could bring that fund manager on there, and that would that would that work too? Yeah, what could be done is the fund manager could be one of the co-sponsors. That's okay. probably the best so way to do it. Sponsor, I'm writing yeah. this down for my guys. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I mean, so, and so so doing a co-sponsored type of mm-hmm. arrangement would work. A separate SPV can be created, which okay. an SPV just is a Excellent. fancy way of saying a special purpose vehicle. Right. And that could be uh, underneath the LLP or entity. LLC, right? Um, yeah. Generally, an SPV is, is an LLC, um, okay, it can, but it can, it, can also, it can also be an LP. Um, it's, both are frequently used. And so, I'm just so yeah, if so the other co-sponsor has an LLC already in existence, if he could drop down from there with with the SPV or um, with an L, yeah, with a yeah. yeah, so he could drop. In other words, he could drop down, so he he'd be able to use those same financials in the in the other. Hey guys, I, guys, I've got to jump in here. Okay, okay we're sorry. up against a, a closing time. Okay. Jeff, I got to really thank you. This this hour just blew by. I know we're going to get a lot of reaction. I want to thank you for allowing us some of your valuable time and and uh, wish you well. Uh, and you. I'll talk, we'll talk to everyone else uh, next Monday, 9 a.m., the Opportunity Zone. Jeff. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you.